Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, I had something interesting happen a couple days ago, and um, I ran into a, a pretty good-sized copperhead snake. You guys know what those are, yeah? Hell, oh, yeah, those creepy little boogers, aren't they? Quite poisonous. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I was running, and I run a lot, so I, a lot of times I will run trails out in the woods. And so I was running a trail on Friday morning. It was, it was in the morning, but it was Friday was like, I think that's the last day it's going to get pretty warm. And so I guess things were still out and about, you know. And um, what was interesting about it is I connect to the Lord a lot of times when I pray and when I run. Um, I mean, I run every morning before I, on Sundays even, you know, it's kind of how I process through the message and the scriptures that I want to use and everything. And, and um, so I was out running out in the woods and um, I was turning a corner and I was actually praying. And it was interesting because I, it was kind of a long run for me that day. So I had, I have this like strap handheld water bottle that I can take if I'm going to be out for a longer time, a couple hours or whatever. And I also had a banana, so I had one in each hand, but I was praying, so I had passed the water bottle and the banana into my left hand because I had my right hand over my heart while I was praying while I'm running. So, you know, it's kind of strange, but I'm kind of running through and I got into this, and I don't run like that the whole time. It was just like for this like 20 second stint that I was praying and, and put my hand over my chest. And I had this stray thought come into my mind that was negative. And it was, it was like, you know, look at you. You don't, you don't even have the reverence to stop what you're doing while you're praying. Yeah. It's kind of snake-like, isn't it? Like, you don't even have the reverence to slow down and walk when you're praying this heartfelt prayer like you're moved enough to put your hand over your heart but you don't have enough reverence you should at least slow down to a walk get this out of you and keep going and i'm telling you and this is not like a a parable or a preacher story like this is a real story this has really happened for integrity's sake i will say it was within three seconds and it was probably shorter than that as soon as that thought came into my mind and I didn't stop. I didn't slow down. But my eyes were on the trail. And it's Lindsay Park. So, you know, those are like, they're mountain bike trails. So they're two to three foot wide. They're not very wide, you know. And um, I literally looked down. And that copperhead is just stretched straight across the path. Like all the way across it. <laughs> and um, I had that thought and literally looked in front, under my feet and, and jumped over him. I mean, I literally split him in half. Like, he, it wasn't, he wasn't off to the side. Like, I, I uh, hurdled Mr. Copperhead. And, um, you know, he was just laid out. I mean, he wasn't, you know, they're, they're thinking what we're thinking. You know, he's like, oh, crap, I hope this guy doesn't see me. And I'm like, oh, snap, there's a snake, you know. We're both, you know, want nothing to do with each other. But I jumped over him, and instantly I had that, that thought, like, wow. Like, wow, what a... What a um, prophetic situation right there connecting to your father 
And that other voice coming in and say, you're not even, golly, you should be kneeling on the ground right now. I mean, and it's a good thing I didn't stop into a walk. It, 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 it is a good thing I didn't listen to that voice and come straight stand still. And I probably would have been fine, but I would have found myself on top of the guy. You know, bad for both of us, really. And um, it's interesting because I wanted to kind of lead off into some scriptures today. It's something that's been a theme. It's the theme of our house. It's my personal life's message. Um, I think it's the most important thing for anybody to know um, is that Jesus is God and he's also the word of God. And how important that truly is for all of us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Everything that is God is Jesus. And, And Jesus is the embodiment of God. He's the fullness of deity embodied, as the scripture says in Colossians. He's the perfect expression of who God is, and everything that he is is what God is and who God is, and, and he is God, and, and he's the son of God, and he's all these things that are, this, as the scripture says, this great mystery. Um, but it's this beautiful package and this beautiful picture of how we see who God is and how God communicates to us. And even some of the scriptures we'll cover today, like in John 10, Jesus spoke about a defining characteristic of his followers when he's calling himself the shepherd, which is another title of God, you know, that Israel or Jacob himself called God, the shepherd of Israel, that God was known as. He's calling himself this good shepherd in John 10, but also he's saying, my sheep follow me and they will know my voice. But the stranger's voice they will by no means follow. And does that mean that there is a stranger's voice? Absolutely there is. We see the stranger's voice all the way back to the Garden of Eden, who's saying, eat this fruit and then you'll be like God. He comes and he paints this contrasting picture of who God is to confuse mankind and to say God's not who you think he is and paint a different picture and then eat of the fruit of the knowledge of this reality And it will make you wise when in reality it poisoned mankind's lineage all the way, all the way out. And it's like Jesus saying that, he's coming, he's like, I'm making this distinction that I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd actually lays his life down for sheep. He doesn't doesn't prop himself up on sheep, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or run away when something comes to attack the sheep. And the stranger's voice, they won't follow. Christianity will be that Psalm 23. The Lord will be your shepherd and you'll be able to follow him and know him. And he he, he differentiates his voice. We see in Jesus the voice of God, which is completely different from the voice of that serpent. And we can see them. The, The tree of life in its fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in its fruit. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, 3, But I fear somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity and the singleness that is in Christ. You know, King James says simplicity. That word is singleness. I fear that that somehow as the the serpent deceived Eve, well, we kind of see how he deceived Eve, right? Eat this and then you'll be like God. God's holding something back from you. Do these works and then you'll be like what you already are, you know? Tricked her to do something to get something that she already had. Foolishness, religion it is, you know. But, but in the same way that it deceived Eve, 
that your minds would be led astray. We don't want your minds to be led astray from the singleness that is in Christ. What does that mean? From the simplicity, yeah, from the simplicity of devotion. Some of your translations will say that. But that word sing, singleness, haplota, uh, I shouldn't try to say that Greek. I have it written on the side of the Bible. I just noticed that. But it's um, singleness, meaning like God is one way. You know? We're not viewing him through the knowledge of good and evil as both good and evil, this bipolar deity, this, this, this split personality that causes you to reflect a split personality and be two ways. It's like if you see him as he truly is in the word. Now, does that mean the Bible? Yes, but the word, I mean the word made flesh, the, the logos, the, the embodiment of Yahweh. When you see him as he truly is, it unlocks you to see through single vision of who God truly is. This is pure theology. That's Christology. Like seeing Jesus as he is, is the, the true barometer. It's the key to the map. It's the legend to the map. You know, all those words that unlocks the entire scripture. And then we can think of theology and all these things. Well, let's debate, you know, the book of Romans and all these things. And, and people love to do those things. But, it, but as soon as you get outside of that, the four gospels of seeing God through that four-sided you know, it's really like a pyramid, really, because there's three sides and one on the bottom of the foundation. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but through seeing him as he truly is, these, these, these Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, seeing into the life of Jesus Christ, the, the embodiment of Yahweh, as soon as you, you don't see the Old Testament and the New Testament through that lens, you've already gotten off. That's why it's so important that we study his life, we see what he's like, and more than anything, that we know him. I love the verse that we started off last week. It's like, the Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, because I feel like in a world that defines success in so many different ways, you know what I mean? God has given us success in these two verses and it's about actually knowing him. And like our minds not being corrupted, the singleness of actually seeing him as he truly is. It says that thus says the Lord in Jeremiah 9, 23, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, verse 24, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Like God wants to be known by his people, but he also knows that when his people see him as he is and know him, they come alive. And the family of business is back in the game of the earth, on the earth. And it's this, this reality of like, don't boast in wisdom or might or riches. All these things that people think is success and that will give you status. What is success is boast, what's boastworthy. What, is, what should be your goal is to know and understand me that I'm the Lord. This is that Second Corinthians 11. This is that seeing him with a single eye. Not these variants or shadows or turning versions of who God is. It's actually seeing him as he is, and it absolutely unlocks everything. And that's the point of, that's the, point of the whole thing. And, um, you know, theology is unlocked by watching him, observing him. We always, we say it, watching him like a movie, you know, watching the Bible like a movie. But when you can immerse yourself and realize that it's like, um, you guys remember those things called magic eyes back in the day? They were like these blurry pictures and when you stare at them, you know, when you're in elementary school, like, you know, certain, they're like 3D holograms will come up, a picture of a palm tree and a, you know, I don't know, a panda bear surfing on a wave or something, I don't know, you know. You guys catch what I'm throwing? You know, they used to have those little magic eyes. It's like, 
It's like you actually look into the Bible and, and, and use all of your eyesight, use the, all of your senses, and you're not just looking at words, on red and black letters on a page. It's like you're going into the picture and you're kind of zooming out and seeing what is this saying? What is he demonstrating? What is he like? What is his essence? And when you do that, you start to unlock the Bible and it unlocks your person. You come alive because you see him as he truly is. And we understand the goal of Jeremiah 9.24 of like glorying in knowing him and actually understanding him. Undoing the, the confusion that came in through the knowledge of good and evil and seeing him as he truly is. I love, you know, you think about some of these things that he said that were the keys to the map, knowing and understanding him that people even to this day don't know. And we, we, we say like in, you know, John chapter 8, Jesus calls himself the I am. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the Father, our one. He says all these little spoilers that it's like, hey, that's actually God embodied. You know what I mean? All this stuff. But Jesus finds himself demonstrating God, being God and demonstrating God by stealth. And I was just thinking back through some of these passages that we've done so thoroughly. And I thought, well, we could just look at this in a, in a brief moment where Jesus comes into the temple of John 8. And they literally bring a woman in who's been caught in adultery. And it says, in the very act, is what it says. And they throw her in front of him. And, you know, they're, they're coming in legally to confront him, to try to catch him and getting him, him, him in trouble. And saying, I mean, talk about a commotion. Can you imagine that happening? Cops coming in, dragging somebody in, a guy or a girl that just got caught in something illegal right now. And throwing him at the feet and asking us to judge her. We'd be like, hey, I'm... I'm in the middle of something right now, you know what I mean? What are you doing? This is crazy. That's how crazy they were. But they thought they represented God. But they represented a version of God that was, de that was of the devil. You know, and um, surprise, surprise, God's not the devil. That's a lot of what the Bible's about. Hey, I'm actually not the devil. It's funny to us. But man, when you read it simply, you realize a lot of people think God is the devil. Good cop, bad cop, the one that's the, the, the accuser, a lot of people, that's the Father. That's who, and the Spirit, that's who that is in a lot of, in a, in a lot of belief. I, I don't want to say the majority, but I would, it probably is. And so and anyways, this lady gets drug in. She's ashamed. She's humiliated. She thinks she's going to die. Throws her at Jesus' feet in front of him. And interrupts everything that he's doing. You've got Yahweh himself teaching people about the, the things of the kingdom. How incredible must that have been? And Jesus... Like, hey, well, Moses says to do this, what do you say? You can, now you're going to contradict the law now that we have proof that we've got witnesses that we've caught in the very act. And what does Jesus do? He sits down on the ground and starts drawing on the ground with his finger. He completely ignores them. He just is like, it's like we're seeing the embodiment of Yahweh. We're seeing the definition of who God truly is, that he does not participate in the things we think he participates in. Accus accusation? No, that's, that's the accuser or the opposer the satan you know what i mean that's what that means it's like that's that's what that is it's like oh no that sorry you've got the yeah you you brought you've got the wrong guy yeah he's not here that who you're looking for is not here and you know he's i'm just going to ignore you you know to which jesus says and you read that in john 8 you know hughes without sin let him cast the stone at her first he releases some some wise saying after he's ignored them for a few moments and they're finally badgering him. He's like, well, if you're without sin, you know, hit her, sling the rock. To which what happens? 
It says they were cut to the heart of themselves. Their own conscience started. You know, the word of life came and didn't say he wasn't an accuser. You're, you have murder in your hearts. You have jealousy in your heart. You're willing to try to kill somebody just to accuse me. You're done. You know, all those things which would have been factual, but the truth and facts are not the same thing. But he doesn't even accuse them. He's, he's just, all right, yeah, you know. He says something. If you're without sin, let you do this, cast the stone first, which sparks them to drop their stones one by one and start to leave. And what does he tell this lady? Where, where, where are those? Oh, hey. Funny, you know. Where are the accusers of yours? They're going, oh, well, I don't, I don't accuse you. Hey, go and don't sin anymore. What's that? Is it the kindness of God that leads to repentance? That she should have been guilty and he let her off the hook completely. What transforms somebody? The ones that were trying to kill her, that were grabbing her by the neck, were throwing her in the ground, humiliate her, shame. Did all that work? No. But once that was disarmed by the kindness and love of God, what happens? She's empowered to go and change and live a different way. Yeah, it's true. Wow, that seems so different. It's like, it's, it's, only, it's different from the machine. Yeah, it's different from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, but the God machine is not real. It's not God, you know. And so here he is demonstrating this stuff and then continues to teach. But towards the end of John 8, he, they start trying to accuse him more and more and more. They start trying to accost him. Some of the Pharisees, they start getting into this zone with him. They're talking about him, him being illegitimate, talking about all these terrible things about him. To which his response is, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. You know, this is the end of John 8. This is the same scene, the same movie we're watching. And they're like, you're not even 50 years old. Like, you're still kind of a young buck. Uh, you know, you're kind of a, you're in your 30s. You know, it's young. Like, wait a second now. To which he says, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. He calls himself Yahweh. You know what I mean? This is I am that I am. Yeah. This is the God most high. This is the name they have for him. Before Abraham was, I am. He, he reveals his true self. Remember, you know, there, there, there we go again. Jeremiah 9, 24. Let him who boasts, boast in this. Let this be your goal of success, to know me and to understand me. You understand, oh wow, you came here by stealth, that the rulers of this world would not recognize you. And even your own family didn't recognize you. But you came here and revealed yourself constantly. How did we not see it? And now we see it. And by seeing it, we become transformed. And not only that, you've unlocked us all. The forgiveness is, all, is fully given. You, know? you held nothing against us. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. This is the plan all along. The redemption of all things. And now we've seen you. We've taken on an image that wasn't your image. And now we see the one in whose image we're created. This is the best news of all. You know? This was the game plan. If let him who glories, glory in this, that he knows and understands him. And what happens there? It says, as soon as he says this, they took up stones to throw him, to throw at him. It says, but he hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker for some Jedi stuff. You know what I mean? It's like he didn't hide himself like, you know. He didn't dodge some stones and run around the corner and run out the thing. It says he hid himself and he walked through the midst of them. It's like, whew, these aren't the droids you're looking for. You know what I mean? 
Where's Jesus? You can't see where Jesus is right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Him and his guys like, all right, guys, you ready to go? And they're all pushing through the crowd like, Wah! filled with rage. It's time to kill him. He just called himself the name of God. How much more blasphemy can we take from this guy? He's an idiot. Let's kill him. We got the stones here. We dropped, you know, they dropped him from the girl, but now we have the reason that we wanted to. He's like, oh, you're just trying to accuse her to get a reason to get at me. Well, here's your reason. Let's kill him. No. I have another way that I plan on dying. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he leaves. And he walks out through the mist. They're completely blind to him. But you see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil causes you to be blind to the Lord. And it's, it's the snake scales, if you can see it, that fell off of Saul of Tarsus's eyes, who was on the way to persecute Jesus, saw the great light, got enveloped in light, as it says, right? And then Ananias comes and lays eyes on him, and it says something like scales fall off his face in the book of Acts. Um, and it's like, hey, what, what is that? Did, did, did Saul bin Laden, Saul of Tarsus, later to become Paul, did he have, did he have, a, did he have a dragon face? You know what I mean? He must have been Nephilim, you know, snake, snake, you know, serpent, you know, all these weird things. Like, no, but those scales, that way of seeing through the knowledge of good and evil, the, the one who literally wrote that, my fear is as the serpent deceived Eve. He was so deceived by the way of the serpent through that tree of knowledge that it became a part of his identity. And you couldn't even see the scales. They were so much a part of his face. It was so much a part of his identity. And when he started to see Jesus as he was, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Jesus? I, okay, I'm flipping teams. <laughs> I'm on your team. You know what I mean? A few days later, bang, those snake scales are like, can you imagine that? If something like scales came off his eyes, how creepy would that have been? Like, you'd be like, oh, oh, what is that? That's demonic. That's evil. That's yucky. But you know what I mean? We got to think of this the way it's actually written. They must be like, oh my gosh. And he must have been like, oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm not nasty, dude. I know this is gross. He's had so much trauma, you know? And, uh, <laughs> uh, so he's taking the things off. But that's, that's what this is about. They're blind. People were blind to him. And whoo, he went straight out in Luke, and <laughs> of Luke 8 goes into Luke 9, which, is, which I, that's one thing that I absolutely love. He literally walks out from them. It says, through their midst, he hid himself and through their midst walked right out from them. That's, you know, that's some straight Jedi stuff, you know. He walks out in verse 1, which there, there wasn't, letter, you know, there wasn't numbers on this. This is all just written out. So this could be, it, it is the same story. He walks out and as he passed by, he sees a guy who's been blind from his birth. You know what I mean? It's like, so they've been blinded. Now this guy's been blinded. And he walks up to him. Now his disciples are like, hey, Rabbi, who sinned, this guy or his parents? And like, you guys have just walked out of a potential stoning. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're already thinking like, so, so how did he come into that condition? Is it some nasty things that he did or was it his parents did and it got passed to him? <laughs> you know, which is what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil manifesting in itself. So who did the evil that made that manifest? Was it him or his parents? Like, who's, who's at fault? Who can we judge responsible for that condition? You know? To which Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. What does that mean? That means like, hey, 
I don't even think that way. I'm not here to think about that. I see even the darkness as opportunity for God to manifest light. That's the only way I am. You know, and it's true. You know, granted there's people that he healed, you know, John 5, you know, don't go, don't do it, got you into this position. Yeah, yeah. But that's that he he healed them first. He released them first. It was there was nothing that they earned. There's there's theological implications in this. There's there's the demonstration of the I am in this. It's like, hey, your job is not to make those judgments. Your job is to see the opportunity for the kingdom. If something needs to be revealed, if they need to step out of something, they'll do it. But in this situation, this ain't that. I love it. So what it, he says these things to his disciples. It says, as he said these things, he spits on the ground and makes clay out of saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. That's a really nice Christianese way. Oh, yeah, he's... Look how we just skirt through that. You know, he spit on the ground, got some clay, and, and then he anointed his eye. Oh, yeah, he anointed, brother. Amen. Oh, yeah. You know, hallelujah. Glory, glory. You know, all these little terms. But it's like, that means he spit and made mud so wet, and he smeared it on his face in his eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, he anointed him, right? Like, yeah. Anointing was to, to douse oil over the, the head of a king or, or a priest or prophet even um, so much that it would run over their entire body all the way to their feet. And so he did this to the guy's face. So we think, oh, you know, we think the, the, little, the little bottle you got off of a TBN for sending in a love gift, for, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you, and you just took the little oil on him, you know what I mean? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, this, this is a, you know, he's spitting on the ground. And, you know, maybe it, was, it had rained. Maybe it was a little muddy already because that'd be a lot of spit. But he still spit in some mud and some clay and packaged it up. And he walked up on the guy. And can you, can you think about this? The guy's blind, so he doesn't see it coming. <laughs> He's like, hey, hold still. Like, what? Are, are you going to give me some coins? Some, 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 co some minas for some coins? You know? <laughs> what, what? And then just starts just packing them, dude. Just, oh, 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 what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know what I mean? He's like freaking out. And, you know, this, he's like, and he says, now go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, which is in your Bible for a very, very good reason. In other words, listen to my voice and walk it out. Follow what I say. Follow me. Follow the instructions. No, but I want it right now. It's like, no, listen to me and follow. I know what you need and I know it'll get you to where you're going. And so that's, that's beautiful, right? The stranger's voice, they won't follow, but my voice, the shepherd's voice, they will follow. And this is a demonstration of that. The Pharisees wanted to kill him because he was, he was contrary to what they thought God was supposed to be. But what he was contrary to was the devil in his tree. And so they were so enraged to try to kill him, he slips out of them. They couldn't see because they were blind. But a blind man just so happens to be the first person he runs into and reverses his blindness. Packs mud in his face. You ever get like a little dust or uh, speck of dirt in your eye? I've seen a couple that happen. Start. Oh, oh, I freak out. Oh, you know, doing all this. Oh, and it's like, hey, buddy, calm down. Just wipe some water in it. You'll be all right. Blink a few times. Like, stop freaking out. I've seen a couple people do that in here, I think. But yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But can it, so imagine getting some mud just pressed in your eyeballs. Like, here you go. Oh, here you go. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? It's like, it's like you're, you're, messing with, you're, you're messing with a handicapped guy, man. You kidding me? That's the most messed up thing you could have done you, you, over there messing up that handicapped boy. Um, 
But he wasn't messing with them. Now go wash in the pool of Siloam. It's like, how do I get there? I'm blind and I'm covered in mud. You know what I mean? Like somebody take me over. You know, that's his introduction. But he introduces, but he introduces himself to him, and we find that out. He, he talks to him. I know this is uncomfortable. My name is Jesus. I'm going to help you. I don't know exactly how he said it, but he gives him his name, and we find that out later in the story. He's packing this stuff on his eye. He's mashing it in his face. So funny. And he goes off. You know. It says, when he went and washed, he came back and he was seen. He followed the instructions, washed the mud out of his eye, the clay, that had Jesus' spit inside of it. And I don't know how that works, if it's just a faith thing and this is the matrix so it doesn't even matter, or if the anointing of his saliva and the, the life of God himself, the creator, the one who formed Adam out of dust, he was making new eyes for this man just the way he did for Adam in the first place. Um, all those things I think are true and it just drove out whatever darkness or evil was actually gripping in his face and couldn't stay there with him. Um, but he comes back and his neighbors and the people that saw him were like, is this not the guy who used to sit and beg all the time? In other words, like, no, it can't be. He's just like him. And they asked him like, hey, why are your eyes open? What happened to you? What, what is this? To which he says, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to go wash the pool of Siloam. So he knows his name. He said his name is Jesus. He told me to go wash this mud out of my face, which I'm like, even if it wasn't going to work, I needed to go wash the mud out of my face. <laughs> so I might as well just do it. And I received my sight. Where is he? I don't know. It's the Sabbath. Well, I know because he just came out of one synagogue got... People want to kill him on the Sabbath, you know, all the time. And Pharisees are mad about it. But see, look what we're seeing. I love it. In verse 22, his parents, um, it says his parents would not, people were like, how, is this your son? They're like, this is definitely our son. It's him. How is he made to see? Well, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. His parents were so a part of the religious machine that they did. It says they, they, they agreed that if they, if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, he'd be kicked out of the synagogue. They were so, they found their identity being part of that ministry and that synagogue and, and that place that even though Jesus, God himself, came and healed their son ever since he was born, blind, they didn't want to say it just because they didn't want to miss the, they didn't want to miss the potluck, I guess, or, you know, I, I don't, you know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to rock the boat. It's just like, how, how are we so <laughs> locked into things? It's amazing, right? But they just said, hey, we don't know, but just ask him. He's old enough to tell you. It's like, well, didn't he tell you guys? You know what I'm saying? You know. But I love it. I love it. Because when they called the blind guy, they said, give glory to God. I know this man, Jesus, you're talking about. He's a sinner. And he just says, hey, man, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And now you hear everybody quoting that. Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, I already told you guys. But you keep asking, do you just want to be his disciples? Is that what you want? <laughs> so I love the attitude in this guy. He's already like, I don't, that's a sign to me. Your parents have no backbone, no spine. They're like, oh, we don't know. We want to still be in the same religious circles that we're in. So we don't want to rock that boat. But he's like, I don't give a flip, man. You guys want to be his disciples too? Because that's what I'm going to do whenever I find them. 
I don't know what he teaches, what it against you, if it's for you, I don't know. But I know what he says works and it's real. And he's the one I'm going to link up with. It's so great, man. Jesus shows back up. <laughs> he rebukes them. He's like, hey, God doesn't hear sinners. If you guys really think he's a sinner, then like, this is crazy. Somebody's eyes were blind and we've never heard of this being reversed. If he wasn't from God, he couldn't do anything. That's what he says to the Pharisees. And they answered him and said, you're completely born in sins. You're teaching us, get out of here. You're, you're out of our religious club. And he's like, I don't care to be in your club. You know, I'm out. So that's great. It says, when Jesus heard that they cast him out, he went and found him. It's like, who is this guy? It's like Jesus, when he heard that he got kicked out, when Jesus heard that he took a stand for truth and didn't bow to comfort, he made a beeline to that guy. I love that. There are so many people, they just want to play in that game, man. They want to, they want to like, they want to crank on the wheels of that God machine because they feel safe in it and all their friends are doing it. And they, even if they know it's bunk, even if they know it's just like, this isn't really of God, you know, they just, they can't, they just can't leave it because it's too uncomfortable. They don't want to be looked at a certain way. You know what I'm saying? But as soon as Jesus hears, it's like, how does he hear? Is it on Twitter? Is it on, what does he hear? Like, this is some serious, I keep saying Jedi stuff, but it's like, it's, it's God stuff. It's prophetic stuff. It's prophet stuff. He's sitting there just, as soon as he knows that that man's get kicked out, like boom, his parents had an opportunity to take a stand. They bowed down to the machine. The son says, I don't care who he is. He must be from God because no one's ever heard of something like this happening. You can call him whatever you want. I was blind, but now I see. What do you want to be his disciples? Like, this is obviously good. Well, you're, you're disqualified. We want, you're, you're out of our club. Don't want to be in your club. Jesus hears they're out of the club. And what does Jesus do? Did he pass his test? Did he bow to the machine? He did. He's out. I need to go talk to him. It's like he stood for me. His heart is in line with me. And he goes to him. I just love that, man. I love, the, I love that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the entire earth. Right? Second Chronicles 69. Search throughout, throughout the entire earth, searching for those whose heart is loyal to God. And the second portion of that scripture, because he desires to move strongly and display his strength on their behalf. It's like he wants to move powerfully through his people. And what he needs is a yielded heart who is loyal to him. And the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth. They were searching for this guy. And when his heart was shown loyal to the Lord, he's like, that's one of my guys. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to really go introduce myself. And he goes and he gets them. And Jesus heard they'd cast him out. It says, when he found him, he walks up to him and it says, do you believe in the son of man? Now it says God in New King James, but it's wrong. It's ESV and, and everywhere else the right way. Do you believe in the son of man? We understand the son of man, right? This is the, this is the God man. This is the God man of Daniel 7. The one like the ancient days and the one like a son of man. <clears throat> he says, do you believe in the son of man? And can you imagine this guy? How sharp his ears were, man. How sharp this man's ears were because he's been blind his whole life. So he can recognize everybody's voice. He can recognize everything. And when Jesus walks up to him, he's never seen Jesus before. He's only seen him by his heart. He's heard his voice though. Now, hold on, be still. This is going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to match this. Oh no. Like you're hurting me. I'm not hurting you. It's going to just trust me. Go wash in the pool. He's had dialogue with him. My name is Jesus. 
he hears that voice come around the corner and say, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? It's like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Abba's voice comes to us. And, it, and, it, and he's alive. Like, he hears that voice. He's never seen him before in his life. And he says, who is he? And do I believe in the Son of Man? You tell me who he is. I believe anything you tell me. I believe anything you tell me. Your, your voice, your word is my life. My life's devotion is following that voice. Don't you want to just say that right now? Lord, our life's devotion. I commit my life to following your voice. Do it. I love it. Do you, you want to do it? Lord, we commit our life, our de the devotion of our life to following your voice, to following your word of truth, to seeing your word through the, through the lens of who you truly are. We want to be the ones of Jeremiah 9, 24, that glory and boast our goal, our, our glory, the thing we're the most uh, zealous after and most proud of in life is that we know you, that we understand you. Yeah. How about that? So he says that to him. Do you know, do you believe in the son of man? He's like, who is he? And I'll believe him. I'll take whatever you say. Jesus says, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. He says, you've already seen him. You saw him when you were blind because you heard his voice. You felt his presence. You saw how much he cared and loved for you. You see what he's unlocked in you. You've already seen him. Hmm. And it's he who is talking with you. That's a nice introduction, man. Isn't it? Does it feel nice? It feels so great, man. He says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He's, Jesus says, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. It's like, yeah, that's what happened with Saul, you know, but it's also what happened with him. So that's that story. Isn't that, man, I could just park on that, you know. I've done it before. I think it's on the podcast called Blind Theology. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. But there Jesus is. And that's, that's John chapter 9. So 8, he's thrown out of the synagogue. They can't see him. Runs into a blind guy on the way out in chapter 9. Heals that dude. There's, a, there's another. Somebody else gets thrown out of the synagogue. He connects with him. Boom, you have this beautiful introduction for all of us to see. And then John 10 most assuredly, I say to you, who does, he doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings them out, he goes before them, which is the breaker of, of the book of Micah. He goes before them and the sheep know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger. You see all that? You see that's all right there? You see how that's all one big story and it's just mashed into like three chapters? You see he's saying the same thing from one all the way to the other? He's the word of God. You know what I'm saying? And he's saying, he's literally saying this, I go into, I go in and I break people out. I go into the religious machine even and I, and I break people out because I'm the shepherd and I'm actually the true door. He calls himself that. He starts calling himself all these nicknames in this. You know, he's already called himself the I Am, which ain't a nickname. It's his actual, it's a real name of God. Now we know the name of God is Jesus. But it's like he's, he's doing, <coughs> excuse me, all these things. 
And it's like, man, this is, this is beautiful and wonderful. And now he's, he's given this distinction. My sheep follow me. They know my voice. And he's given us a demonstration of it in the Bible. And he's given us a demonstration, demonstration of the blind who couldn't recognize him or see his voice because of what they were in. And you just see it just roll all the way perfectly and beautifully. I'm the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. This, this distinction. Hey, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes, to, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I've come to unlock them and to bring them to life and give them abundance of life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's saying, people have been blind all the way through these, you know, how many verses? 120, you know, just through these last three chapters right here. He's saying, people have seen God as bipolar. They've seen him as good and evil. And it's like, no, the thief still kill and destroy. That's his side. This is a line in the sand. He's making a line drawing in the sand when the woman's thrown in front of him. You know what I'm saying? Still kill and destroy is on one side. The shepherd who gives life in abundance and actually even lays his own life down for the sheep and protects them from the wolves. It's like, you see the picture? Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, God's not the devil. And we're like, ha, 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 yeah, of course not. Like, no, 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 it's not ha, ha. Everyone thinks God is the devil or he has a side of him that's the devil. We have that yin-yang symbol, the TNC surf is what we used to see, you know, the black and the white, you know, it's like, well, that's just God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what, huh? No, uh-uh, no, no, no. God's not the devil. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not at all. He's all light. And Jesus comes and makes this manifest. John 10, 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Oh boy. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them, them also must I bring, and they will hear my voice. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay my life down, that I may take it again. No one, excuse me, John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it back up. This command I have from my father. This is an eternal reality and eternal truth outside of time and space. I love that quote, man. Before Abraham was, I am. But then he says, don't get it twisted, boys. They're not killing me. I'm laying my life down. Mm -hmm. This ain't Aslan, Right? But it's close. It's like, hey, they don't have the power to do this. I am, I am purposely allowing this. It looks like a loss, but I am purposely laying this thing down. But I have the power to take it back up. Spirit of holiness raised from for the dead. His father raised him from the dead. All these things. Yeah, true, true, true. But Jesus said, I have the power to take my life back. I have the power to raise myself. And this command I've received from my father. Can you guess how this, this chapter ends? He starts talking like, you're, you're making yourself out to be God, da 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 da. You're, you know, you're saying we don't know God. John 10, 30. I and my Father are one. There's their Shema. There's Jeremiah 9, 24. Let he who glories glory in this, that he knows and he understands me. I and the Father are one. It's like, Whoa. Oh, no one understand. You're the word made flesh. You're the essence and communication of who God is. Of course, they didn't say it like that. 
wow, that's really you. They said, let's kill him. <laughs> this, this, so this one happens again. The Jews took up stones to throw at him. But of course, it wasn't his time because he wasn't ready to lay his life down for that nonsense. And so it just didn't happen. You know, because he was God walking around the flesh. I think that's the point of today. It's the point of every day. It's my life's message, and it's probably going to be yours if it's not already. But is that God is good, kind, and Jesus is God. And when we see him, we're unlocked into that same image from glory to glory, into walking in who we truly are. But one word that I felt that I had for us today, even during worship, um, I started to write this one down, is that this may be more of a personal prophetic word kind of thing, but the enemy wants to do anything he can to keep you from moving forward. Anything he possibly can to keep you from moving forward and following the Lord. He will, just like the sewing the stuff in with Adam and Eve, and, you know, has he really said this? And like, he's holding something back. He wants you to question that you're actually covered by your dad, that he's your good father. He wants, the enemy wants to, you to question that God's actually with you. He wants you to question that you can trust God, you know? He wants you to question these words of Jesus, like, I've come that they would have life and abundant life. Well, I'm sure that looks differently. It's going to be really hard, really tough, and you're going to have to be stripped of everything and be miserable. You know what I'm saying? We, we have all these religious grids, the way we see God, these scales or these veils that have to be removed. And um, in reality, all of that is sewn in, all that doubt and all that shadow and all that variance that, well, God, he says he's like this, but he's really like this. It's like, no, if I don't see it in Jesus, it's not real, you know? And um, the enemy wants you to doubt that God's plan for you is life and that it's success and that it's abundance and that he has plans of hope for you and that he will cause you to come alive. He wants to do anything he can to get you to use your power, which is to actually obedience, yielding, and listening to the voice of God and following him, so that you self-disqualify yourself and steer yourself off the path. Because that's the only thing he has on you. But it's a lie. You know? And Jesus has come to be known. And God, even in this very day, his desire is to be known by his family, by his sons and daughters. Because he knows these words that were breathed of him, that when we see him as he is, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're transformed into that same image. And it's not just we'll look alike. We will, just as the word, we will embody the, the image of God, which Jesus demonstrated. It is life. It is success. It is bearing fruit. It is creating disciples, which doesn't mean what we've thought. You know, it means that our life, the fruit of our life, will cause other people to want to follow the same shepherd. You know, it's like everybody works out at a gym, but one trainer's getting awesome results. Everybody comes out looking like the healthiest they've ever been. They're energized. You know, they're everything's going great for them, and everybody else is training with a bunch of other trainers and not changing. They're staying the same, or maybe even getting worse. And they're just like, yo. I don't know, what's he doing? You know what I mean? I want to go train with that guy. You know what I mean? That's creating disciples. It's just like, oh, it's really simple. I just 
do what he says. Well, surely you've got to be killing yourself, right? Is it like military boot camp? Like, actually, it's not. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And it's actually causing me to come alive. And I'm following him. And it's, it's working, man. I have abundance of life. I have hope for the future. I have hope in the right now. I can live in the right now without fear and dread and anxiety. You know what I'm saying? That's what disciples look like. That's what it looks like. They should want what we have. And that's what evangelism looks like. Like Tyler's story. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I think that's, that is Jesus and he is talking to you, but it's not the Jesus you may be thinking. Maybe you should just ask him if it's him. Not abrasive. You know what I mean? Not religious and weird. Might be a little weird to some people. So it sounds like he took it pretty normal, but he was working with his buddy who's a normal person. You know what I mean? Isn't walking around being weird or mean to them, you know, religious and all that. It's like we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. God is within us. And when we follow him and know his voice, everything unlocks for us. But it's more than that. We actually create. We are the poster children of God. So that's my word. Move forward. Move forward. Don't listen to the voice on the trail that says, oh, stop moving forward. It's like, no, don't stop. Jump right over that snake. You know what I mean? And keep going. Follow, pursue. Follow your hunger in the Lord. Create time and space for the Lord in your day. But also know that he's with you at all times. So he's not even just limited to our time and our space. You know that I value the word so much. I think everyone should read it every single day. I think it's the word of life. You know, even if it's a small portion, just look into it. Let it, let it, let it go with you. You know what I mean? Everywhere you're at. But this is the life we're called to live. A life of actually knowing who the Lord is and understanding him. And that's where the fruit comes in. You dig? Lord, we thank you for this truth, the reality. Jesus, that you are altogether lovely and good and kind. And we desire to dwell with you and in you as you are in us, mindfully knowing you, experiencing you at all times. I thank you for all the ways you spoke, even in the Bible, through the Old and the New Testament, the dreams and the visions that come as part of the new covenant, that the sons and daughters would prophesy, we would speak your utterances and your words, that you've given us this beautiful written word that we could actually saturate ourselves in, that you send messengers, that you speak through songs, secular ones even. You send angelic messengers to people, you know, knocks on the door, people's names being called out, trances in the Bible, you know, all these different ways you've spoke. I thank you for, for our true inheritance in knowing you and following your voice in all things. And I ask that we would be mindful. We would be mindful of all these ways that you speak and would enter into that relationship that causes us to know you and to understand you in a way we never have. More and more, seeing you as you truly are. Just like it says in Jeremiah 9, 24.